Rats at infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go boogie, oogie, and take knots until we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, get my booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell them, baby, 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 baby,
this way.
Sorry guys, we're just having uh, difficulties with the board. Um, so, um, I'm just checking if this uh, board is working. So, um, so let's try this again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you're listening, if you're trying to listen and you can't hear anything, hopefully you can hear me now. Um, but um, I'm excited to break down uh, the uh, Philadelphia sports for you guys. If you're listening, um, my name is uh, Jacob Moriello. I'm from Snakes Chat, and you're from I'm you're listening to 91.5 WDPK. Um, and I have a few announcements for. Um, the announcement is for the CCC Athletic Department. They sent this out. The month of January, they will be there will be no spectators in the building um, for the rest of January, um, and the and the only way to uh, support these uh, our Cougars women's basketball, men's basketball is is to um, subscribe on YouTube to their channel. It's um, Camden CC Athletics on YouTube. So uh, subscribe to them and uh, you can support your your Cougars um, watching them play. And um, I don't know what will happen on the road for the CCC sports. I don't know what the, um, what the visitors uh, policies are for opposing uh, spectators so I know is for the home campus here you you need to watch the games on YouTube um, so for the men's basketball team the next game will be Tuesday um, the 25th middle middle men's sex county uh, college at seven o'clock that's going to be on the road and there will be no no spectators um, on Thursday t- tonight, the women's team will play um, Northampton uh, Community College at five o'clock at Northampton. Um, and then the next home game will be Saturday the twenty-second against Brockdale Community College at home, which is on one o'clock. And I will be there to uh, cover the game and send out the article, which is um, Substack um, Snakes Chat. Uh, if you type in uh, Snakes Chat um, Substack, you you have to put in your email to get my articles. But um, the bottom line is, guys, I will be covering that game on Saturday, and um, and that's about it for the announcements. So the Philadelphia Eagles, um, if you guys have been following this year. Um, I'm actually not upset with the way this this team has played. There were some growing pains in uh, individuals, pl- such as players, coaches, and um, the bottom line is, guys, we need to this year in the draft we have pick 15, 16, and 19. Okay, and we can't mess this up. We know the positions that the Eagles have to pick here. And if I'm the Eagles, I would go defense in the first round. I would pick a linebacker. Um, a, a defensive end, um, and the, w- with the third pick, you could go either cornerback or safety. 
and then pick a veteran wide receiver to fill that void for a number two wide receiver. Um, so, in my opinion, you need that number two wide receiver to help Jalen Hurts develop his game. And the big names on the market are Mike Williams um, for the L.A. Chargers, um, Allen Robson for Chicago, but I don't think the Eagles would sign him. Um, so, and you have you know Calvin Ridley, who has been a hot name for the Eagles since the middle of the season. Um, so, the reason why the Eagles lost this this game against Tampa Bay that last week is because the offense wasn't on point. Uh, I mean, the offense to me wasn't a sound. It, Philadelphia wasn't a sound football team to me. And that's a huge problem. I mean, your offense... Uh, people say, oh, maybe if you didn't rest your starters, we would have been, you know, ready to go. No. These these issues that the Philadelphia Eagles had was from the, from the four weeks before the season ended. So when we played Washington, when we played the Giants twice, Washington again, the Jets maybe, uh, and then the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mean, we struggled in the first half against bad defenses. Washington has a better d- defense than the uh, New York Giants. So, uh, I mean, listen, guys. G- these issues from the offense, okay? You can blame the play calling. Okay, fine. Okay, it, Nick Sirianni didn't have a good play calling play. Okay, I, I get that. Play calling. But to me, I thought the play calling was pretty good with these, with the way our players, you know, were on the field, with, with the way our players have have played, um, have played on this field. So, the issues that I saw, okay, Jason Kelsey, his his penalties, okay, that was a, um. That was his fault. He shouldn't have done that. He should be in the Hall of Fame conversation, and he's pulling, um, uh, calling for penalties, uh, getting called for penalties. But the main issue that why the Eagles failed was because of Jalen Hurts' judgment. And listen, guys, I've backed up Jalen Hurts. I, I think he's he could be a fantastic quarterback and an very talented quarterback in this league. And if you want to up his game, you need to realize what what he's capable of. And maybe the play calling was had a factor in this situation as well. And maybe Nick Sirianni should be should be um, doing a better job uh, developing Jalen Hurts. And and uh, Jalen Hurts should be um practicing working on his game a little bit more because it didn't show on Sunday. I mean, come on. Sunday is Sunday was supposed to be a big game and the Philadelphia Eagles didn't show up that day in a playoff game. In a playoff game, guys. And the big issue that, that I had with the Eagles was the defense and how they didn't handle the running game. And I, I you know, after watching the film, that, that was a minor, you know, issue that I had with them. But the main reason why we lost was because of the offense. The offense wasn't a sound football team on that side of the ball. Okay, the play calling was okay to me. Okay, it, it, it wasn't great. 
Okay, because if it was great, the, the Eagles would have won this game. I mean, the Jalen Hurts had had his judgment. Uh, I mean, he had um, he wasn't rushing out of the pocket quick enough. He was getting back into the pocket, and and that's why he got sacked because he wasn't looking for that opening. And there was an opening in some some plays of when he was rushing back into the pocket. Which he when he rushed into the pocket that that causes problems. His game is not getting back into the pocket and maneuvering around pressure. That's not his game. His game is he's a running quarterback and running to the left and to the right and maybe slide up a little bit, not in the pocket where the pressure is. Okay, that's his game. Okay, he doesn't have a great arm strength either. Okay, that's why he's a running quarterback. And, you know, the bottom line is, guys, okay, he was, um, his timing, his timing wasn't perfect at all. Uh, I mean, his timing to, to some quarterbacks or some wide receivers, I mean, wasn't accurate at all. It was not great. Okay, his velocity, his, his arm speed wasn't, wasn't up to par. His, his, the ball looked slow out of his hand. Which is a big issue for me, too. I mean, that's why, you know, Peyton Manning, his last season, when you look at his last season, uh, I mean, his last season wasn't as... Obviously, obviously he won the uh, Super Bowl. But looking at his arm strength, it wasn't as dominant as he was before. Okay? Jalen Hurts has to develop that arm speed. You know, uh, I mean, to me, if you want to be a great quarterback, the arm speed has to be up to par. You need to have good timing. And he was missing targets as well. I mean, looking at these these plays, I mean, that, that I wrote down and broke down, uh, I mean, you could see that Jalen Hurts had everything to do with why the Eagles failed offensively. I mean, granted, there were some plays where I was thinking, Nick, Come on, you can't run this play. Or, Nick, you can't be throwing, you know... Um, <laughs> at one point, the communication between Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts wasn't wasn't up to par on Sunday. It, it felt like they weren't on the same page at all. And um, looking at this these plays, I mean... Number... Um, so, when... Jalen Hurst was getting out of the pocket. The um, there was pressure coming from the left side and the right side, and uh, Jordan Mailata, you know, blocked that, you know, very well. And then on the right side, you know, there were defenders coming t- towards Jalen Hurts. He backed up into the pocket, and then he b- went back into the pocket when he was, um, when there was, you know, pressure. He went into the presser, and that's that's calling for, oh, this uh, I'm gonna fail this drive, or or I'm gonna fail this this play. But when you look at this, when he went back into the pocket, okay, the when he went back into the pocket, um, he missed an opening of succeeding on the right side, and Quez Watkins was wide open. 
I mean, wide open. Jalen Hurts should have went around the number 31 for Tampa Bay. And when there was a blockage. But Jalen Hurts should have known that. That that you should be going around the defender on the right side and making a play. But Jalen Hurts, every single play, ran into the pocket, caused more chaos for the Philadelphia Eagles offensively. And you know what, guys? Uh, I mean, this is why they failed. Uh, I mean, the decision-making for Jalen Hurts was just not great at all. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I mean, Jalen Hurts, to me, had this coming. I said this four weeks ago when we played the Giants the second time. We, we played Washington the following week. And then we played the Jets. We won that game. And then we, we played Washington again. And there was issues. We had issues. Jalen Hurts was getting going in, back into that, that issue. That issue, I, I, I mean, he keeps on, he constantly goes into that pocket and causes more chaos for him to make a play, and that's why his his arm strength isn't as dominant. His timing isn't on. He misses um misses open guys because his timing isn't on. He misses guys. He needs to analyze the field better. So. With that being said, uh, I mean, there was a play um, where um, Jalen Hurts faked, faked, a, um, faked it to Miles Sanders uh, to run to the left. And guys, if you see this play, the Eagles ran this play um, every, single year, every single game this year. Uh, I mean, Miles Sanders, whenever he doesn't get the ball, he fakes to the left. And Jalen Hurts rushes up the middle, and it doesn't work. First off, this play right, uh, right here I'm uh, uh, describing. Okay, Jalen Hurts uh, held the ball t- on too long. And that is why the um, offense failed, because the defenders recognized that right away. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, can't, you have to be quick with your decisions. So, um, I, I mean, defensively, the def- we played better. Uh, I mean, there were some issues in the passing game or the running running game. But listen, guys. Uh, I mean, if our offense was up to par, we would have been close. I mean, we would have been um, really close. And um, Derek Barnett, I understand he got that penalty. But when I look back into um, the film, it wasn't a penalty. It was a soft touch. I mean, and the reason why I tweeted out and said, oh, Barnett, uh, here he goes again, is because, guys, if you see Barnett, he draws penalties. And my uh, emotions got got to that play, and that's, and that's why that, that call by me wasn't a sound call. But, I mean, looking back into it, um, the, op, the defensive line was spectacular. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Kerrigan <laughs> showed up when the last game last game possible uh, of the Eagles season. I mean, this guy showed up, was hurt 
before showed up and I was thinking that's the best thing that the Eagles did this season was was allowing Ryan Carrigan to get sacked on the last game of the season. And so Derek Barnett was on fire as well. He was keeping the pressure on um on the defensive um his defender because his defender put his head down when uh, Derek Barnett was trying to get by, and that's why Derek Barnett won that battle because the offensive line, that the left tackle, just caused issues with him to uh, succeed. I mean, that, that left tackle allowed Derek Barnett to get by to sack Tom Brady. Uh, so, um, with that being said, I, I think Jalen Hurts needs to do this season, this offseason, is to Practice analyzing the field better. Analyzing the field, fix your mistakes, and um, with May guys, I I mean, that's it because he just missed targets. I I mean the Devonte Smith one was a big one in the end zone. That that timing was was off. Um, so, am, am I concerned with Jalen uh, Hurts? No, uh, I think he can deal with. Presser, tough love, and he can uh, get back back on the field next season. But you you have to give him the right people to throw to. I mean, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver core is is good. The Miles Sanders situation. I mean, um, do I resign Miles Sanders? I, I'm not sure because if you are focusing on the defense and signing a big time wide receiver who's a Number two, a big time number two wide receiver. You need to clear up that that cap space. So I, I mean, I don't know. Is Miles Sanders worth bringing back? I am not sure. Not sure. For me, if I'm if I'm Howie Roseman, I won't bring back Miles Sanders because of the way he's been dealing with injuries and with the way his style is as a running back. I I like his style, but it's not working here in Philadelphia. It's it really isn't. I mean, it really isn't. So, with that being said, I mean, the free agents like a... Well, the free agents that I wrote down, the two. The top two as wide receiver two. It's um, Mike Williams. He's a true number two wide receiver. He's a, uh, He played for LA Chargers this year. Um, he's been with them a while. He's going to be a free agent. And um, I would like them to be in the mix for uh, Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. I think he's a pretty well put together wide receiver. I think he can help these young guys develop, like Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. And um, with the Jalen Reger pick, I mean, let's just. There's a quote that Howie Roseman said. And um, this this quote said, as we head into year three, we expected more from Jalen Reger at this point. We had a chance to sit down with him after the season and had an honest conversation about the things that Jalen needs to develop. First off, I have an issue with this. Okay, fine. You talk to him, I don't have an issue with that. But what happened when you... um? When Jalen Berger missed three good catches against the Dallas Cowboys game the first time around. 
Okay, why didn't you give him a talk then? Why didn't he, why do you, why do we have to wait until after the season to say, hey, you need to focus on this, you need to focus on this? I mean, listen, I, I understand what the mindset, the mindset needs to be at the right moment. And I understand the offseason might be the right thing to do it. But listen, guys, the Jalen Berger pick has been atrocious. Uh, I mean, this is why people don't like Howie Roseman. Uh, because of Jalen Berger. Because the Jalen Berger pick haunts the Eagles. Last week, last week, uh, I mean, didn't uh, catch the punt return. He looked, he looked genuinely uh, scared to catch the ball. Because a defender was going after him. He didn't call a fair catch, number one. That's a basic one-on-one rule. Uh, I mean, if you don't think you can catch the ball and then run, I mean, it's just basic one-on-one rule. <laughs> I mean, just fair catch it and catch it. If you miss it, fine. <laughs> it doesn't count if you fumble. But make the right call. I mean, the talent that Jalen Berger has is he's a... He's a number three. He's a number three on teams. Or a number four. Uh, I mean, he's not a number two or a one. I'm sorry. Unless you fix your mistakes. Okay? And I think the person that he wants... I, I think people... I think Howie Roseman saw something in him that he didn't see in Justin Jefferson, which was really ridiculous. Because if you had Justin Jefferson, I mean, yeah, this would have been a... Um, a different story for Jalen Hurts to, you know, develop his long passes. And Justin Jefferson would have helped his passing game a little bit more. But, um, with that being said, you, with being honest with him, you should have been honest with him from the beginning. You should have said, hey, Jalen, you should be doing more things that you have been doing. Okay, and I understand in camp... You can't cut players that have that that value. Like, he has value um, in the draft. Uh, I mean, but listen, if you're not succeeding in camp, and I think we, we saw videos of him succeeding, but Quez Watkins did the same thing, and he showed progression. Quez Watkins is a borderline number two and number three wide receiver to me. So, I mean, Jalen Berger to me is a not a good quarterback, not a good wide receiver. He will never, he, he will, if he stays this route, he will never succeed in the NFL. And people will realize that. And his only spot, if he doesn't succeed, will be on the practice squad. And I'm just being brutally honest here. Uh, I mean, Jalen Rager is a player where, you know, is a player where he needs to build um, strength of creating separation. And you need to have better hands as well. You need to catch the ball. You need to not be scared when you're catching the ball and, and fumble it. That's the number one Number one thing that he needs to do this offseason. I'm I'm generally done with J- Jalen Berger. Uh, I mean, if the Eagles want to keep him, I don't know why you would. But, I I mean, 
to me, I'm I'm done with him. Because he's hurt the Philadelphia Eagles in succeeding offensively. If he didn't fumble that ball in the punt return, maybe we ha- would have had a chance to come back in the game a little bit. I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Um, but with those, and we have picks 15, 16, and 19 in the draft. And I want the Eagles to draft um, draft a linebacker first with that 15th overall pick. 16th, I want them to draft a defensive end. And, um, and if you don't want to choose all defense, you can pick a wide receiver. But I don't know why you would pick a wide receiver and you have to go through developing again. Signing true number two in free agency. Um, and uh, for me, I think I want them to get a cornerback that can play that that can play zone and not mess up. <laughs> uh, I mean that's that, that's just my thing. So um, or a safety as well. Safety as well. Uh, I don't care if it's a cornerback and. Or a safety with that third pick. It, go go either way. But after the break, I will go into the Flyers. And the Flyers right now have been, you know, struggling. Their their game tonight will be against Columbus at home at uh, 7 o'clock. And you know what? Uh, I will discuss everything that's that's wrong with with the Flyers. But after this break. You're listening to 91.5 WDBK, Camden County College, Blackwood, New Jersey. Desperate love 
Welcome back to 91.5 uh, WDBK. If you're listening, um, if you're a new listening, uh, listener listening in right now, uh, my name is uh, Jake Moriello. I'm from Snakes Chat, and you're listening to uh, 91.5 WDBK. So this part is where I want to focus on, guys, because the Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, they... They are an they are a uh, an organization where they are they could go both ways here. Uh, I mean, they could go for a full rebuild, small rebuild, or just keep on riding it out with with what they have. And in my opinion, I think they should go through a small rebuild um, to rebuild the foundation here. Uh, I mean, you got young talent here and Cam York. Tyson Forster, Wade Allison. Um, I, I like the um, um, prospect that they drafted last year, uh, Samu Atamala. He's a forward. Um, so we have prospects here where, you know, and, and also, of course, Sean, Sean Couturier, Joel Farabee, and, and uh, et cetera. But these two players, okay, and if you didn't hear the whole story with the Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, Kevin Hayes is out uh, three to four weeks with a lower body injury. He will be out for a while. So, and I've been thinking about this for a while now, too. Uh, I mean, with the lines, with why the Philadelphia Flyers failed Claude Drew in putting around the correct foundation for Claude Drew to succeed and for the Flyers to us succeed and win games as well. So, and the if you don't know, know what the whole story is with Claude Drew, this year is his last year of his contract um, uh, of being a Flyer. And there are some rumors where, you know, we trade him at the deadline or we let him walk. Um, and for me, I I mean, it's sad. Uh, I mean, if I'm the Flyers, I would trade him at the deadline. Because he's been having a great season so far. He's been having an outstanding season so far on the first line, the second line, um, well, on the top lines. And, I mean, this is where I... This organization failed Claude Drew. This... this this organization failed Claude Drew's reputation of succeeding here. I mean, Claude Drew's reputation is is to win no matter what. Uh, I mean, he's the captain. He does off the field, uh, off the ice stuff. He, he does foundations and, and other things when he's not playing. So we failed him. Um, as a person, as a player, to put a winning foundation on the ice with him. I mean, I feel like the Philadelphia Flyers, to me, failed Claude Drew because they have some guys on the bottom six lines, which is the third line and the fourth line, where they should be playing up on the top lines. And uh, I understand the balance of it, but... They did it wrong. Uh, I mean, there are some players on the bottom six lines where they should be up there 
um, on the top lines, maybe not the first line. There's this player where he should be the first line player or second. Second, it, borderline first to second line. And and the right winger um, or center slash winger uh, uh, Scott Lofton and Travis Sanheim. Travis Sanheim has been the Flyers' second best defenseman this year, and uh, Scott Lofton has been playing up his past his ability, past his contract to be a a great hockey player. And for me, I, I mean Scott Lofton. And Travis Sanheim should be there consistently on the first and second line. Maybe not the first, but the second line of um, they should be at. And um, Mike Yo is the intern interim head coach for the Flyers, and he read my he read my mind. Uh, I mean, he's he's thinking the same thing. Where uh, I mean, the Flyers should be putting great players from the. Bottom six lines to the top six lines. And, you know, I mean, with the, when we played the Islanders um, Monday and Tuesday, when we played Boston, when we played the Sharks, um, I mean, when we played the Rangers, as a team, we failed. <laughs> as, as progress on the lines, for the certain players on lines, uh, I think we succeeded. So, even though we are on an eight-game losing streak, or maybe more, this team has played uh, successfully so far with Scott Lofton and Travis uh, Sanheim up on the top two lines. And they should stay there, um, they should stay there uh, consistently throughout, throughout the whole season. Because of their ability to play. Um, so, against the... And the Sharks. If I didn't say the Sharks... Um, as a team, we failed against the Sharks as well. Um, so, against the Sharks... Uh, Scott Lofton... Um, I mean, he was... Uh, Scott Lofton is a guy where he can succeed. I mean, no, no doubt about it. So... Um, on the ice, uh, Scott Lofton was entering the offensive zone, and number eighty-eight was was Brent Burns. is a defenseman. is a very solid defenseman. I mean, he's an older player now, but w- when Burns was in his prime, he was a good player. So Scott Lofton is beating beating guys where they were they were good. So, um, for me, I, I mean, Scott Lofton knows how to protect the puck. He knows how to avoid, um, avoid turnovers. He knows how to get past players to get to the um, goalie, opposing goalie. And um, he knows how to create space. Uh, I mean, on Tuesday, I saw Travis Connecting not creating any space at all. And... Travis Konechny had a decent night. In the zone, Travis Konechny couldn't create any space. And and the NHL need to create space. And if you can't create space, you are not going to succeed one bit. 
And that's what Travis Konechny is doing. He's failing. Um, and, and he's quick. I, I mean, Sky Lofton makes, makes moves where players, it, where players can't get to him no more. I mean, in the zone, Brent Burns was going after him. Then Scott Lofton does a unique move to the left. And then Brent Burns, you know, hesitates. And then uh, Scott Lofton uh, goes to the net and tries to score. Um, and, I mean, he is... Um, uh, Scott Lofton, you could say, you know, has great passing skills as well. And, uh, I mean... When you make a move uh, to the right, uh, I mean, make a move with a puck and it's really smooth, you will create that space away from your, from the uh, opposing player. Um, So, Travis Sanheim didn't play in that game. So, against against Boston is a really unique, um, against Boston, um, uh, uh, Scott Lofton betrays his defensive ability. I mean, um, I mean, in the neutral zone um, against Dan Coyle against the against Boston or Coyle, um, Coyle makes a deke to does a deke move to the right, and um, uh, Scott Lofton puts his arms out uh, arms out to stop him, and. You know what? Uh, Scott Lofton knows how to play defense because he slows he slowed down Coyle's ability to get past uh, Scott Lofton, and it wasn't a penalty at all. It was a clean hit. I mean, or a small hit that avoids a lot of damage. Um, and with that being said, that could have been a shot on the on the net or a a pretty decent goal. So hats off to Scott Lofton for playing that, having that defensive ability. Um, so, you know, Travis Sanheim, um, you know, he plays against the Rangers, and with that being said, guys, I mean, um, so, so Travis San, uh, Sanheim is a defensive force um, that, yeah, on the ice, you know, on, to be a top six um, defenseman, you need to uh, score as well. But for me, he's proving to be on the top six line by playing dominant defense. I mean, dominant defense and shots on goals, obviously, he has. Um, but with that being said, uh, I mean, Travis Sanheim has been that defensive force. You need to be physical as a defenseman. And that's what Travis, Travis Sanheim has been doing. So, um, with that being said, I mean, with that being said, I, I mean, this, the Rangers was in the offensive zone, um, and, and, uh, Travis Sanheim blocks off, blocks off traffic, blocks off traffic. I mean, he slides, he slides to the right, and I, I mean, he was covering um, number ten on the Rangers, number nine on the Rangers as well, 
and he he has that he stays in that position in the middle. There's two Flyers players next to him, and he was that middle guy. Once he once he guards uh, number ten and does a decent job of of playing d- defense and and ha- having number ten give up the puck, Travis Sanheim slides over and th- does a great job defending number nine and closing off that side of the ice left side um so i mean travis sanheim is a great um defenseman that can close off gaps that can prevent a lot of uh scoring abilities um so he he knows how to maneuver um his defense was a lot better that is a lot better this year in in terms of um making the the player give up the puck and that's what he does uh, i mean he gets close to the player he slides over to guard uh, or play defense and close off that part of the ice in the left left side of the faceoff zone so he does a pretty good job there and with that being said, Travis Sanheim should be on the number two line, which he is. And he should stay there consistently when Ryan Ellis comes back. We don't know when he's coming back. But if he comes back, Travis Sanheim sh- should be on the a number two d- defenseman. And he's proven that. Um, and... And um, he after he protects... Or cause turnovers um, from number ten and number nine. He slides over backwards to protect Carter Hart. So he's a very defensive-minded defenseman. Um, and then against the against the Islanders, um, uh, Scott Lofton is a is a really good um, player. I mean, really good. I mean, it, against the Against the Islanders, I mean, he does he did a perfect job against that game, but but against the Rangers, I miss I miss something from the Rangers, um, and he just there was a point where um, there was a point where Scott Lofton was in the zone, number thirteen. Number thirteen was was um going after him, and it looked like Trav- uh, 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 Scott Lofton was in the zone. It was the zone. Number thirteen was going after him, and he he just bulls bulls to pass him because the way number thirteen was positioned, his weight was on the other side. His weight was on the other side. Where the puck was, and Travis Sanheim, uh, uh, Scott Lofton, recognized that, and he just goes past him because he realizes that his weight was on one side, and it was difficult for number thirteen to get back to to his regular defensive stance, and he enters the he enters the um, offensive zone had number. Um, he had 
number 21 uh, from the Rangers. Um, I'm sorry, number 27. Number 27 was on him, and Scott Lofton made a unique spin move to pass it to another Flyers player to have to pass it to so he can create space. Scott Lofton recognized that he had a guy on him again, and the only way to do it was to avoid, by doing it, okay, uh, some players on this team shoot the puck to the net, but really, you need to make a create, you need to be creative on the top six line, on the top six line, lines, and he did it. I mean, Scott, Scott Lofton um, makes a beautiful backspin move where the defender jumps off uh, off from him and hesitates to get back and passes his pass it to um, to uh, I believe and passes it to his his teammate. And his teammate passes it back to Scott Lofton where he's hanging out on the left side of the net. So, with that being said, I I mean, Scott Lofton is a creative centerman and and forward to be on that top six line. And for me, if if I'm keeping Claude Drew, if I'm re-signing him, um, you need to recognize, you need to recognize that the Flyers need to recognize certain players on lines to say, okay, you fit you fit here, you fit there. You need to put players on the correct lines to be successful. Um, and so tonight the Columbus Blue Jackets will be visiting the Flyers. And basically uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, my analysis, uh, uh, I ran out of time to give you analysis on that game, but I give you analysis on my sports page on, on Instagram, um, TikTok, and Twitter. I post the same thing on the three platforms, and um, you'll see you'll see I broke down what the Flyers have to do tonight against Columbus. Um, but this, so far tonight, the... Um, Flyers will be on tonight against Columbus at 7 o'clock. And make sure you guys um, support our Cougars tonight. Um, they will be in Northampton at, at 5 o'clock. Um, go on YouTube and support them. Um, but that is all for my show. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and sorry for the uh, uh, difficulties at the beginning. But... I'll see you guys next week at 1 o'clock. Hopefully I go on at 1 o'clock, but I came on earlier this week. Um, But um, please uh, have a nice nice day, and I'll see you guys next time. You're listening to 91.5 WDBK. Um, Email us at WDBKLive at gmail.com if you have any questions about my show. Um, And I will see you guys next time. Thank you.
Don't you miss the big time, boy, you're no longer 